We're Kenyon and Takara Martin, faith-based marriage coaches, champions for healthy love, and lovers of pizza. And this is the Ask the Martins podcast, where we answer your single, married, or dating relationship questions with practical advice and research-based techniques. Have a relationship question you want answered? Well, send us a direct message on Facebook or Instagram at Ask the Martins or visit us at AskTheMartins.com. Now, let's get into today's episode. All right, let's go ahead and get started because last week we talked about a female narcissist. Now, we don't get these all the time. Right. And the reason why we don't usually get female narcissist questions all the time is because women who are narcissists typically... So a narcissist has a source, that person, that victim that that they actually manipulate and break down and so on and so forth. For men, it's usually their mate. For women, it's usually their children. Right. It's always looking at the weaker vessel. A narcissist feels more comfortable with who they consider the weaker vessel. When it is a woman narcissist or a female narcissist and they're connected and, and that uh, source of their nar- narcissism is their husband, then the husband has played a game that they're not necessarily weak. They didn't play a game, but they're not necessarily weak, but they are passive. They allow things to go on for the sake of the family, for the sake of the children. And they're just a little bit, they're less aggressive. And so she shows no mercy and shows no respect for him, which we'll find here. Hey, Heather, how are you? Okay. So let me read this real quick. Mm -hmm. I'm writing because I'm at a point to where I have confusion and have experienced dissonance. My wife for 16 years had an emotional and physical affair on me last year. Today marks one year and one day since I moved out. Prior to that, she treated me poorly for a long time. She has shown narcissistic behavior, is controlling, and a manipulative A-type. She's belittled and demeaned me for years, and I took it because of the kids and because of my convictions to faith. But once she cheated, I gathered my evidence and left. I flipped the switch and shut that down and moved on to another person who has been very kind. Now my ex-partner wants me back and she's saying and doing all the right things. She has invested herself in church again and doesn't want what we had, but wants something different. And now I'm left with the feeling like I'm the bad guy here. She wants reconciliation. I understand what the Bible says, but I just don't see that happening, especially since I moved ahead with somebody else well after I left and after she cheated on me Mm. and abandoned the marriage long before. So why do I feel guilty or like I'm the bad person here? So here's here's the deal, though. I'm glad that he's feeling guilty like he's the bad person, but he hasn't backtracked. Right. Okay. Do you want me to start? Yes. All right. So just ask answering the question, why do I feel guilty and why do I feel like a bad person? Well, the first reason, there's a few reasons, but the first reason is because you've been groomed to feel like a bad person. If you're in a relationship with a narcissist, a narcissist grooms you to prove yourself to them over and over and over again. Trauma bonding does that as well. Mm-hmm. But what it does is it creates an environment in which you're always being criticized, you're always being demeaned, you're always being punished in some sort of way, and you're always trying to prove that you love them. You're always trying to chase their energy or chase their love. You're always trying to put out. So that being the case, you're, if you're always trying to prove yourself, you're always feeling guilty at the same time. Mm-hmm. And because you're always feeling guilty, this is not a new feeling. 
whenever she puts you in a position and manipulates you to be in a position of feeling like now I have to do something else to prove yourself, you feel guilty because of what you weren't. That's number one. Number two is she's also reasserted herself in church. I do see here where you said, I understand what the Bible says, so on and so forth. And so church means a lot to you. As a matter of fact, that's the one of the reasons why you stayed in this relationship, for the faith. And because that means a lot to you, now understand, narcissists don't work alone. Narcissists are usually charismatic. They're usually energetic. They're able to move a room. They're likable in, in most instances, and you just can't tell them apart. You can't tell that they're, that there's a problem with them. And so what comes along with them are the people they use to hurt you. Mm-hmm. They're technically called flying monkeys. And so now her reasserting her charisma and herself all suddenly humbled and, and, and back into church. Now, not only are you worried about what she thinks of you, you're also going to be worried about what they think of you. You see what I'm saying? And so what that does is that also puts you in a place where you got to prove yourself again. So now you feel guilty. You feel like the bad guy, but you're not the bad person here. Real quick, you said you know what the Bible says. There's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. You need to understand that. There's a uh, difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. And what that means is, is forgiveness is wiping off, cleaning the slate, wiping the debt. You owe me nothing. I want nothing from you. Just want you to go away. All right? That's one way. But reconciliation is re-engaging within that relationship. And so far, she hasn't proven that she's re-engaged into the relationship. She's done the typical surface things. Go ahead. Yeah. And and I think she hasn't done anything to prove. The only thing she's done to come back into the relationship is to come back and be the same as she's always been. And that's manipulative for that. And so... Like you said, if you've been groomed for that, if you've been in that relationship for any amount of time, there is no doubt in my mind that there has been a cycle, um, a tug of war, a cycle between the two of you that says, I'm going to be bad. I'm going to do bad things. I'm not going to do anything to show accountability for it. But then what I'm going to do is flip it around and now make you feel like you're accountable and manipulate you in that process. And if you're in a relationship with a toxic person, with a narcissistic person, that is their default. There is never going to be a point outside of them actually coming to a road to Damascus moment and actually changing their ways. They are never going to come to a point that basically will have them saying that I was wrong and here's what I'm going to do. The only way that they can get back into your good graces is by manipulating you to feel like you have to be the one to be the bigger person in this scenario. Absolutely. Uh, Let me tell you something. Narcissists don't learn new tricks. They just do their chick tricks differently every time. It's always going to be around reward, criticism, withdrawal and punishment and reward again. That's exactly what they'll do. And because she lost you, and because you're distant from her, and because you have a new person that you're interested in. Now, it's been over a year and a month, so I assume that you are already complete with the with the divorce. If not, go ahead and complete that before you start moving on with someone else. You don't want to dirty. You, you, you want to be clean. You mm-hmm. understand what I'm saying? You just want to go there. But with that being the case, she needs you. She, she's used to the source that she's had. You came easy to for her. Um, it, it's like hunting. 
Right. And right. so because you came easy for her, it was it is is one of those things where I can't let him get that far away. Got to pull him back into the yard. So that being the case, that's why you feel guilty. Don't feel guilty. You will feel guilty. Don't feel guilty. Just continue to understand that this is done to you and you're not doing anything to anyone else. Live in peace and create boundaries against that. Don't listen to her. You shouldn't be in contact with her unless you have children. You need to put yourself in a position where you allow yourself to be free and at peace away from her. Make sense? Perfect sense. All right. Let's go to question number two. All righty. So this other question here, she says, this is funny to me when I saw it because I know exactly what she was talking about. She said, last week, Kenyon uh, mentioned men and video games. More, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what I was saying is last week, I guess, you know, if you wanted to know why men play video games, a big part of a male of the male motivation per- person, okay, a big part of us is competition. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. And that's very important to us. Not all of us are athletic. Not all of us are academic. But we all find different areas of competition and competition actually pulls, you know, it helps us to release energy. Out, competition is sex, to be honest with you. Both of them are like medicines to us. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. But here's the problem with video games. Video games gets you into the competition. And number one, you're socializing because of this. now most games are on the social network. But number two, you're actually being rewarded consistently for your effort. So they, what what's called, if you ever heard of the term gamify, gamify means being rewarded for reaching, reaching certain levels in whatever is gamified. Right. And which games are gamified. That's where that comes from. And so what men do is men actually invest themselves into those rewards. Now, those rewards uh, give us a, a nice little dopamine hookup and we go keep going and we could play all night, depending on what the game is. I mean, not everybody plays, but the same is with sports mm-hmm. and basketball and things of that nature. As a matter of fact, you know, the only thing that usually stop men is that they get tired on the court. But then they live vicariously, or we live vicariously through our sports teams. So we have a piece of competition going on there. These are all different things that play into the the who, who and what a man is. So when you see a man playing video games, don't beat him up too bad. This is his way of, of out. It's like um, an escape. Of, 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 yeah, of escape and of replenishing himself and, and just doing what men do. Just be careful if he becomes undisciplined in it. And I think that's that's the key thing. I, For me, it's definitely always been a bit of a problem if someone overly played, like just seven play Xbox and did nothing. Like that's always been like a pet peeve of mine. But I think there's a difference in someone who uses it, like you said, for an escape. You know, your mind, you know, it relaxes your mind. It kind of gets you at a different place. Like I think there's a difference there. I think when they, when you are with someone and they're not motivated, um, someone who lacks ambition, someone who, um, you know, perhaps, you know, for me in my past, people who criticized me for my ambition but didn't do anything mm-hmm. on their own and then then would be up all night playing video games, I'm like, okay, what's happening? Right, right. So I think there is, especially if you're dating someone like this, you know, in marriage, I mean, I don't want to say it's too late, but it's too late. If you're <laughs> dating someone like this, it's very important to pay attention 
you know, at what point are they doing it? Are they coming home from work, needing some quiet and just like want to veg out to video games for a little bit? That's understandable. If it's somebody where you are noticing in all areas of their life where they are not functional and the only place they're functional and winning at something is in the video game, then you might have a larger problem to speak to. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And there's ways to use games, too. I always encourage those who play games. I used to. I, we have a ex, we have a couple Xboxes, but right. I just don't. I don't. I, we watch Netflix through them. I, right. I don't play. I just don't find it. I, I find the Connect entertaining. The one where you get up and you can just yeah, do, do whatever. I, I find that entertaining. But if 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 there's anyone out there who plays games or wants to bond with your partner that plays games, one of the best things I always suggest is play together. The person who plays the most, which usually is the man or the guy put down the sticks yes and then let her pick it up it's going to be one of the most frustrating things that's going to happen but it teaches it teaches um, teamwork it teaches you how to work together so you walk you walk you you walk her through what she's supposed to do and let her do the controlling it's a dynamic but it builds it's something that builds a dynamic in your relationship so that you'll be able to Give her the sticks in other areas as well. Yeah, it's so it's it's so important and it's fun. Give me them sticks. <laughs> we doing good, babe. Let's go ahead and question number three. Yeah. So she said, um, had strict physical boundaries before we got married. Now affection is almost non-existent. What to do? Well, and I asked for expounding, and I didn't read the 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 response to that. Can you kind of explain kind of what she said? Okay, so what's going on with her? Jeez, if I can remember with my bad brain. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, so, I was supposed to read it and I didn't go back and read no, it. No, 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 that's fine. So what she's saying is is that they've been together, and as soon as they were uh, married, I mean, you get kisses uh, in and out every day, um, you know, coming and going or whatever the case may be, but there's no affection. There's no sexual affection. Mm-hmm. And she keeps asking what's going to go on or, or you know, what, what's happening? Do we need help? What's up? And he's saying that, well, it's coming. Now, keep in mind that he's uh, in ministry and what caused, what allowed him to keep himself was his faith. Okay. Okay. So it sounds sounding a bit, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so she's wondering. She's seven months into this oh, uh, marriage, and it's coming. Right, seven months into this marriage, and been, I don't even know. I didn't ask her about the wedding night, but right, you, you know, I should have been coming seven minutes into the wedding night. Right, right, right. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> but, but. Um, the I, the thing is, is that she's been waiting and she's wondering if it's something deeper, a deeper issue. She doesn't know what to do because what we have to understand is the lack of intimacy in a marital situation, in a marriage is is, is can be construed as abusive if we don't address it. Mm-hmm. OK, so do you want me to tell you what I told her? Yeah, you go ahead. I'll, okay. I'll follow it up. But yeah. Oh, OK, OK, OK. Because you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. What I told her is that it is a deeper situation. It could be either physical or psychological. If it's physical, what's going on is that either he his libido is low because he doesn't work out, his libido is super low because he doesn't eat correctly, his libido might be low because he's he's older. Um, is also, he older? I don't know. Oh, if he's older, I'm looking for um, any reason. Lord help. Right. So um, it could it could be one of those three things. It could also be that a man who is 
I, I don't know whether he is a virgin or not, so he could be nervous. I don't necessarily know what's going on. But another issue that kind of is physical but crosses over into the psychological is that he has ED or erectile dysfunction. That happens, and there have been cases where a man will uh, take a woman all the way up to marriage and not even, not even, you know, tell her. And so that becomes a struggle. Uh, and then there are men who are, you know, who it's easy to withhold because you're not too proud of what you hold. So there's that. And, but the psychological reasons, and one of the biggest ones for me is, is that a person who is disciplined to hold, keep themselves into marriage, that is a blessing, number one. Praise that, God. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. It shouldn't be nothing wrong. I shouldn't have to explain that there's anything wrong with that. No. But the motivations for that discipline is totally different. Correct. You know, there are motivations because I want to be faithful to God and I want to be faithful to you. That's one set of motivation, but you're still salivating. I can't I can't even be around you. Listen, we're going to talk on the phone today because I'm not in that position right now. Uh-huh. But then there's another motivation in which... Your faith or your religion or, or the, the, the hardcore part of your religious faith has caused you to have a block mentally about intimacy and sex. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you can't bring yourself back around to it being a good thing or an okay thing. Especially if there's any kind of pornography in the past, um, it, that, that, plays a, that plays an issue as well. Regardless of what the issue is, regardless of what it is, these are very real issues that um, that may exist, and he needs to actually have a conversation about what's going on. Because as long as he does, there's a difference in between, babe. There's something going on in my body, and I don't think it's working right. I need some time, but I'm going to go see the doctor in the meantime. But understand yeah. that you're wanted. There's a difference in that in between that and. You know, hey, don't worry about it. You know, stiff arming it. Don't worry about it. I got this. Don't worry about it. I don't, you know, especially when you're married, because married is all about vulnerability and intimacy. Go ahead, Beck. Yeah. So there there are a couple different things I, I'm going to take it from. Uh, okay. Um, take it all. First and foremost, I want to speak to my single folks right now. And, and I'll start with single ladies, but men and women. Okay. I'm going to just start with single people right now abstaining until marriage is like Kenyon said, amazing. And it's a great gift and it's a great thing to be able to do. And we encourage people to do that. It's very important. The thing that I always like to stress when we are asked questions like this is that if, even if you are abstaining until marriage, you still need to try the spirit by the spirit. You still have to make sure that there is desire there. Yes. You still have to know that you are wanted and desired. Baby, I respect you enough to where I am not going to cheat on God with you. And yeah, I'm not going to go there until we get married, but know that I want you. Okay, like (laughs) like there has to be a point in the dating process where, you know, that, listen, as soon as you say I do, we late to the reception, at least a good three, four, four to five minutes. We're going to be late to that reception. Like you need to know that that's number one. And so as you're dating, there is nothing wrong with kissing. There is nothing wrong with having conversations about intimacy while you're dating to make sure that your love languages, you know, align, that they are doing things that help you feel desired. Stop there. Right. One thing that I think we have um, been unfortunate to experience in church 
is that you teach sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad for so long that somebody abstains until marriage to have sex and then they and, and then yeah, and then you can't turn it on. I'm a very big believer that if you don't use it, you lose it. <laughs> so, like just, you get into marriage and all of a sudden you don't know what to do. You don't know how to be romantic. You don't know how to be intimate. And you're afraid of it because you've now been brainwashed into believing that sex is bad. And so I am I we have had people come to us that says, like, hey, there is literal conflicting thoughts going on in my mind about wanting my spouse, but also not wanting to displease God. And we do couples such a disservice as singles by not preparing them for the married bed. Amen. Last thing. Go ahead. Last thing on this topic. As a woman in a marriage, number one, science proves that relationships, especially marriages without affection, without touch, literally it, it messes with your your life expense, like your life expectancy. Like literally people begin to die brokenhearted, you know, in couples because they do not have that. It is hurtful. It's damaging. It's humiliating mm-hmm. to be in that situation and not have that affection there. And so for her, as the woman who asked this question, I implore you to use your words here because I think... One thing that's easy for someone to do, let's just say they're, you know, we hear, I'm just not a physical person. I'm just not a touchy-feely person. And when they say that, they're still ultimately saying, your needs are not important enough for me to learn how to speak to you in your language. And that hurts. And that's heartbreaking. And so use your words. I am suffering. I am starving for your affection. I am literally um, here dying to want you, dying for you to want me. And I don't feel like you care enough to give me what I need. These things have to be said out loud because he has to know and understand on a very, very cellular level on what this is doing to you. Because just by saying, you don't touch me, like we have no affection All you're doing is making that situation worse with him. But I think if you are with somebody who genuinely loves you and genuinely cares to want to make you happy, they have to hear how you are hurting. And I think that's a perfect place to start. Amen. That was good, babe. Thank you, honey. (laughs) You ready for four? Passionate about that one. Yes. All right. We burning rubber, I guess. Let's go. If a man walks away from the relationship... Should I let him stay gone, even if I love him? What you say, babe? What, you you look like you was going to say something real deep and profound. I'm not going to say nothing real deep and profound. You have a man who walked away from the relationship. Should I let him stay gone, even if I love him? The issue isn't him. He's yeah. made his decision. The issue right. is you, and you're unable to let go. And it's not. We don't want to say this in a bad way, or in a harsh way, or in a in a non empathetic way. But you have to understand that because you love him is why you want to chase him. Mm. Because you love him is why you're not listening to the choices that he's made. Thank you, Jesus. Because you love him, you're doing that. Now, here's the thing: it's okay to love him because it's only real. It's true. That's what's in your heart. But you have to understand that on the other side of that love is his decision and his choices. Not only that, what if he does choose to come back? Well, you have to understand 
why did you make that decision in the first place? Can I trust you not to make that decision again? And what has changed to make sure that you haven't made that or are not going to make that decision? What's going to go on right here, right now that makes you believable? Because right now, all I have is love for you. As Heavy D would say, I ain't got nothing but love for you. What you got? (laughs) So the idea is right now is you don't let him do anything outside of let him be. Yes, Lord. And then see who he be (laughs) and let him enroll with that. Make sense? Yeah. And I think that that's a perfect thing. She says, should I let him stay gone? And I think it. Because it's a woman asking this question, I can 100% absolutely assume that letting him stay gone, you're probably a hopeless romantic. And as a strong woman, you've probably got people around you or you've got the thought in your head, like, girl, if he leave, like, let him stay gone, forget him. I ain't worried about him, like whatever. And then it's come, it's, it's now fighting against the love that you have for him. And like, I just want to, as the movies say, go fight for our love. Like, I want to go get him. If you love him, you would fight for me. You would have chased me down. You would have found me. And I get the the conflict that you may be having from wanting to be strong and says, forget you, I can do bad by myself, but also I love you and I want you in my life. And I think, yeah, let him stay gone if he is not, especially if he's not trying to come back. Like, what are you going to do? Go beat him over the head and gra- drag him back to the relationship? <laughs> <Right>. Like, <laughs> That's a switch. Yeah, but no, I think what you do is really evaluate why he's gone, what led to him being gone, what led to this situation as it is right now, And whatever you decide to do at this point, is it going to be worth going back to what it is that now he has walked away from? Was the relationship toxic? Was the relationship something that you both like knew was bad for you, but you just there because you love each other? Like, you know, all these things, you know, did you maybe have I could see if you had a big blow up fight and y'all both said some ugly things. And he said, forget this, I'm out. Like, I get the conflict there, but you have to really, before you, you know, come to us and ask that question, what should I do? And then go with that, literally pay attention to why he left and ask yourself, honestly, what, how, what is it going to be like? What's going to be different about when he comes back? Amen. Amen. Yeah. And and if you need any help, again, look in the link in the description and we'll, we'll share with you why you are feeling the way that you feel and some steps you can make to actually move on. Yeah. She says, after four days breaking up with my ex-boyfriend, I received a text from my Google number that I didn't recognize. And I and the text was rude and mean. I believe it was my ex who sent it. Why do men do that? (laughs) Well, child, all men do it. (laughs) Right. Yeah, That's a child. That's that's, he's he's being childish. He's poking with you. He's trying. He (laughs) the idea that he took. The effort, watch this, <laughs> the effort to go get a Google number. Right. Right. And then to and then to use that number to get at you means that he this dude is is he's he's like what what is, what is, obsessive compulsive. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't know what he's going to do with himself. And, you know, it's, it's not that all men are like that, but this man is like that. And because he is so stuck on you like that, what you want to do is you want to maintain your distance, maintain a safe distance. I'm not saying that he can be physically abusive, but what I am saying is he's abusive. And so what you want to do is make sure that you're not in any 
any line of that abuse, okay? Because all he wants to do is press your buttons. All he wants to do is hurt you because he feels hurt and he's blaming you for it. That's the bottom line. And that's a childish thing, so. Yeah, when when somebody is mean and and just for no reason mean, um, if they notice you moving on, if they notice you no longer acting in a way that that needs them, that needs that engagement, they will find other ways to point, you know, press your buttons to get you to engage. I guarantee you, if you didn't, he was expecting you to then go text his regular number and be like, why are you doing this? I know this is you. And then start another fight. Ignore it. Block it. Every attempt at every attempt, block it and just continue to move forward and move on with your life. It is not all men. This this is just (laughs) this is somebody who's a child. Google will run out of numbers eventually. Right. (laughs) Shoot. I'm sorry. Uh, It's not a laughing matter, but he's he's stupid. (laughs) He's stupid. He's just stupid. And I don't like when people do stupid things. It bothers me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I mean that's all it is. If you can't let somebody go or leave them alone, it's it's and and you're acting like this. There's a difference between not being able to let them go and leave them alone and can't get shake them out of your head and you really going back after. But if you're going to be resentful and and just vengeful, all that kind of stuff. There's a reason why she's not with you, man. And this is one of them. This is this is one of the biggest reasons. I would take note. I would write it down. I would keep a copy of that because, I mean, <laughs> numbers can be traced. So keep copies. And then um, if it can't, if you, if you go as far as to get it traced or if you have an, enough of them that could trace them to the IP address, if you get enough of them and you're tired and you want to go that far, 35-year-old, he's a 35-year-old stupid. Um, Lord if, have if, mercy. if you want to go that far. He's um, a 35 year old stupid. Yeah, he's a he's a baby. But, you know, keep that in mind so that if you de- determine that you have to file an order or a protection order, order, protection, or something, yeah. order of protection or something of that nature, you'll have documentation. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Go, go, go. Okay. If he acknowledges he was wrong, is it wise or good to give a second chance? Babe, if he acknowledges it, that he was wrong, is it wise or good to give a second chance? Here's and see, I have more questions about this because acknowledges that he was wrong. Like, what what was he wrong about? What did he do? And and again, maybe it doesn't matter to you. For me, you know, second chances are they. How they, did you mess up the first chance? Yeah, how did you mess up the first one? I'm very very curious what that is because I think acknowledging that you're wrong and saying I'm sorry is easy to do. Proving that you are going to change and not be that person that broke me the first time is extremely difficult to do. Like, I would say it's hella hard. Right. <laughs> like, but like, and so that's what I'd want to see. Is it wise? It would be wise to say, hey, I accept your apology and I appreciate that you acknowledge that what you've done wrong. The wise thing from there would be to be like, but if you don't mind, I'm going to keep a distance until I could actually see that you are going to be somebody different. That's the wise thing. Letting them off the hook, um, you know, is just getting back together and not actually making them, you know, be accountable for those actions for an extended period of time. Not punishing them, but allowing them to show that they've changed. Absolutely. I mean, here's the thing. The reason why you ask the questions is because you love him and you kind of do want to give a you want to give him a second chance, but you don't want to look stupid doing it. That's yeah, why you said, it. is it why? That's it. Is it wise? So the thing, the wise thing to do is do exactly what Sakara did. 
and identify what markers mean that he has changed. What markers mean that he has changed. So whatever he's done and whatever he was wrong about, you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I, I find it hard to believe that you broke up over one fight. There's just something deeper going on Correct. inside yeah, that fight. There's a behavior going on. And so the idea is I was wrong. I'm back. Mm-hmm. Or I was wrong. Invite me back. Or you was wrong. He said it. I want him back because right. I love him. The, the wise thing is to do what Takara said do. What are the what did he do wrong? What are the markers that would suggest that he's making a change? And how long has he been doing them? Makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Hey Jarvis, what's going on, man? Ready? Let's go to the next one. Is ending a marriage with a toxic person tougher than any other relationship? I want you to start that. <laughs> you want me to start? <laughs> I do. I do. I have thoughts, but I, I feel like they won't be fully formed until I hear what you say first. <laughs> okay. I got you. <laughs> Is ending a marriage with a toxic person tougher than any other relationship? Uh, yes. Here's the reason why. Now, Takara and I always say this, that whether you're married or you're not, the time that you spend together makes your heart married. Mm-hmm. And so we do not take away from a relationship that just because you're not married is not as deep. But marriage comes with an expectation of commitment. Marriage comes with an expectation of of a future. Marriage comes with not just hope, but vision. There are things that come with marriage that identifies this is what I'm about, this is what we're about, and this is what we're saying that, um, that is totally different than just kind of being together. You can say it and you can mean it and you could actually be very faithful together, but marriage is a statement. Yes. It's a public statement. It's a private statement. It's a it's a it's a promise. It's a covenant. Right. And so breaking that with a toxic person is hard. Another part of breaking that with a toxic person that makes it hard is because that toxic person has you trapped within the marriage. So they have you trapped in a way that they can't be toxic to you. Yes. So now they're grooming you to deal with their toxicity. Mm-hmm. Now you're being poisoned day in and day out. Now you become toxic or you become either aggressive or passive aggressive or you're dealing with them in certain other ways and now you're affected and infected by their toxicity right. because you tried to hold on to the marriage. When you try to do all these type things, especially under God, if you will, and you're trying to please God at the same time, you're stuck in such a way that there's so many, that that it becomes the dynamic of breaking away from them Mm -hmm. as well as breaking away from the promise, as well as breaking away from the covenant, as well as breaking away from the being being upset with yourself personally, as well as breaking away from I've, I've disappointed God, you know, all those things come with the divorce and nobody ever wants, when no one ever goes into a marriage, uh, especially the first one and says, I, I, I want a divorce even, eventually, but you know, we're going to see how this plays out. Nobody does that. And so all these things play into and play a part and, and the emotional toll of a divorce as opposed to a breakup. Yeah. And on top of that, you mean, you mean, I mean, listen, I even think about if you got kids in there, right? But like in a marriage with a toxic person, everything about what they have done to groom you in that relationship is also what they use to keep you captive. 
um, you know, the guilt, the shame, you know, because especially if you're someone who's a person of faith, they're going to use everything in the good book, in the Bible to try to keep you under subjection as well. And so then you go from also the guilt of not wanting to break up or destroy your family, the guilt of disappointing God, the shame of saying, oh my God, what if I made a mistake in this? Like all of these different things begin to play out in your life. And then if it's toxic, chances are you've also been being dishonest to those outside of you to say, I'm happy, I'm doing all right, you know, posting for the gram and making people believe your relationship is something that it's not either. And so I think all of those things is what makes it harder because it's not just the broken heart. It's not just feeling like I failed this. It's the way that a toxic person uses everything about who you are to keep you under subjection to them. And it makes walking away so much more uh, difficult. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. All right. So number eight question says, I have a question. <laughs> what happens when you have a man that will protect you from outside people, but not from himself? Emotionally, emotional distance and abuse. He will take a bullet, fight the world, but won't do the work to protect you from his demons or issues. I have a really, really, really big problem with men who don't see themselves and the, and the idea that not only do I protect her from outside issues or outside enemies, but I protect her from inside enemies. And when I say I have a big problem, it's not a problem with the men like, I, like I, I'm mad at them, but it's, it's an issue that men don't really discuss as much as they need to nowadays. Yes. It's an issue that husbands don't discuss as much as they need to nowadays. There are husbands who are emotionally, mentally, and even physically go off on their wives to try to crush their souls so that they could get it off their chest. And once it's off their chest, they're okay. But I didn't touch her though. You know what I mean? I didn't touch her. All I did was holler at blah, 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 blah. It ain't like I'm out here beating on you. Right. Or say some disturbing things, say some degrading things, say some terrible things about their spouse. And then they turn around and wonder what, you know, why they're not getting what they're getting. You are a, I'm a, I'm a, I want to put this like this. I want to put this like this. And I'm going to put it in a Christian way. If you're not a Christian, just hang on tight. Just um, fill us in the, in the sentiment of what we're about to say. Um, so we as husbands are supposed to love our wives like Christ loved the church. Mm-hmm. Now, Christ that loved the church, he gave his life for the church, even while they were still an enemy, even while um, they were still uh, distant. Now, watch this. The whole idea of salvation is to save us from God's justice. Now, God is going to be right. Uh, right. God is right, but still through his love, he wants to save us from the penalty of that right. Mm. So a man who has the opportunity or the ability or disability to be wrong Mm -hmm. doesn't have any right trying to punish somebody who he's supposed to be loving, helping, and saving and pulling back. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. So even when God was right, he was trying to help keep us from the consequence of the punishment, if you will. So there's no way a, a, a husband should be reaching out and, and and trying to punish his wife for who she is or what, what's going on. And I, and I don't care about the beef. You know, find an, a mature, masculine, manly leadership uh, way to handle that 
but first you got to handle yourself first. To answer her questions, he's not protecting you. He is controlling you. What Thank he's doing you. is is he's creating a boundary or a barrier, and it looks cute at the very beginning mm-hmm. because it makes me feel all protected. He's going to stand. And, and, and usually, I'm going to be honest with you, we like to really call uh, abusers punks and stuff like that, but a lot of abusers are actually people who are out there who don't know anything else but fighting. Right. So they're out fighting dudes. They're out fighting you know, other chicks. They 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 fighting the police. They, well, whoever it is, they're they're not controlled inner inner wise. They have anger management issues, and so all he's doing is creating a hedge or a gate or a fence around you with his body, um, threatening everybody else, and then taking you home and beating you up mentally, physically, or emotionally. And so. I'm glad this question was answered as a part of, because this is Domestic Violence Month, as far as October is concerned. The question is, is how deep in this are you with him? And it's not safe for you. You need to actually get moving. You love him, sure, but you need to actually get moving. That's not, it's not a safe area. You can't change him. Yeah, because the longer that you, and that's what you said, how deep are you in this? Because the longer that you stay in that situation, the more you're enabling him to to believe that this is okay and that he can get away with it. Having someone who I think King put it perfectly, he is not protecting you. He is controlling you. And so... Our advice at this point would be to create an escape plan to get out of it and get away from this relationship. Like, you know, he needs to work on his demons. Absolutely. But be careful, because when you then give a name to what they need to do, what they need to work on, you will stay and try to figure out ways to help them work on that. You will stay and figure out excuses to be like, okay, well, if I can just get him to do this, then maybe he'll treat me right. If I can just get him to see that he needs to do this, then maybe we'll be happily ever after. And it's like, no, that's not how this works. That's not how relationships work when you have someone who is not at all interested in working on themselves. If he's not interested in working on himself, he's going to work overtime to make your life hell while you're with him. So find an escape plan. Um, go call the, uh, go to the website, the hotline.org, literally the hotline.org. And that will help you begin to put together resources to help you find ways to get away from this person. It's not going to be easy because if you do love them, you're going to want to save them and help them. But this is something that you can't save them from. This is something you can't love them through. You have to choose you. Hey. Man, let's go. Wow, we only have a few more minutes left. We're about 10 more minutes left. I think we can do maybe a couple more. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So this question says, is it healthy to provide a safe place for our partners to complement the opposite sex? (laughs) What do you say, babe? I think it is healthy. It's healthy to allow a safe place for our partners. Now, the thing is, that safe place has to also be safe for you. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? If I'm out ogling or looking or following somebody in that way, that's disrespectful to my wife. My eyes and my ears and my love and my heart ought to be on her. If I see someone who's attractive, I'll look at pretty I'll I'll look at her. She'll know that I think she's attractive, but then I'll key in on what that person is wearing. Cause I I'll ask Takara, you like you like wearing this kind of stuff? Yeah. You you understand what I'm saying? So Takara Likes the Idris. She she digs the Idris. And the Rock. And the Rock. (laughs) 
and the rock. Yeah, I think there's it's healthy. Like we'll be watching something on yeah. TV. We'll be scrolling, you know, something like I think I was scrolling Instagram the other day and it was like this chick and she was bomb. Like she looked good. And can you stop? He was like, who's that? <laughs> like, and so it was not a thing of, ooh, like liking her picture, then going to her profile and following, you know, lusting. seeing what she lusting after her. No, it's a, listen, I know when a chick is fine. He knows when a dude is a nice looking dude. I am not going to be, you know, monitoring his eyeballs in our relationship. I, I want to know that, listen, that you're a normal man that finds other women attractive. I find men attractive, but at the end of the day, this is what I want. This is what's laying next to me. This is, you know, and that's, and I think it is very very healthy. Um, if someone's trying to control your thoughts, your behaviors around the opposite sex, and you know that you are harmless to that, then I think that's a bigger issue of control. So I think pay attention to that. But yeah, absolutely. Complimenting, admiring, acknowledging the beauty or the attraction in another person outside of your relationship is fine. It's when it crosses the lust boundaries um, and you start noticing people pop up in their DMs that it probably is inappropriate. It's the, yeah, and it's the tone in which you do it, too. Never do anything that's disrespectful. Like, like, all right, Takara not only likes The Rock, but she likes Thanos. <laughs> I love Thanos. Like, he ain't even real that man fine. So what that... <laughs> but what that tells me is that she likes a broad back. Guess what a brother need to work on in a gym? A broad and back. And I love my husband's back. So it, I tell you, it's it's... A All lot. it is, <laughs> I know you do, <laughs> but it's is we you Takara and I play off of those things in order to see how we can become better for each other. Mm -hmm. uh, we never deeply dive, indulge, reach out, yes, talk about, linger over, watch, follow. We don't we. We, we just don't do that, but we want them because we always in a place to make sure that the other person is safe. When Takara decides she's going to show me, uh, so she's going to show me a girl or, or whatever the case may be. And she says, all right. <laughs> I just, she, she'll I be just, like, she's like, okay, I'm going to show you this because I like what's going on with what she's wearing, but I need to know if you like this. Don't stay too long. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's and that's fine. And that's fine. And so we respect and we love each other, but that love, that kind of that kind of relationship actually expands outward. See, and in all other areas of our relationship. Yeah. So there's no area in which we are hungry or thirsty enough to actually go and look long enough at someone else longingly. So it, it has to be healthy, but you both decide what is healthy. What is healthy. That's right. Okay. Um what yeah. Yeah. So she said, what's the line or where's the line between making an excuse for their behavior and explaining it to your inner circle for perspective and advice? When can we know we are making excuses for them? Oh, that's a really good question. Because here's the thing, like we're going to our our inner circle, right? It's easy. Give your information to your inner circle, see how they respond. And then if you're going to respond by protecting them, that could be an excuse. Mm -hmm. It depends. Or if you're giving some additional information. Okay. <laughs> For instance, if you went to your group and said, hey, my man just gets so mad all the time. I swear I can't. And then they come back with, well, does he have an anger management issue or something like that? And you didn't, then you say, oh, no. 
He doesn't. He really actually gets super quiet, but he gets mad often. I don't know what to do about that. That's not that's not um, protecting them. That's not uh, 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 lying for him. Um, but if you say he gets mad all the time, he, is there an anger management issue? Well, it's not an anger management. It's not an anger management issue. It's more or less that he's just really loud and, and he had a I'm bad safe. childhood, right? Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he had he had a bad upbringing. He has he, trauma. He's extreme. I did this with my ex-husband. He's uh, of 10 years, extreme narcissistic. More than likely then... You probably made excuses. You, more than likely you began making excuses. I guess to draw the line, if we wanted to sit back and we say, where does the line start? It's when other people are pointing things out to you and you're finding alternative reasons to actually ignore them. And accept that behavior. Right. Yep. Right. For instance, a narcissist will demean uh, during a joke. They will say a, say a joke about their their source, their spouse, right? Like or, or like jokingly like compliment a friend of yours while putting you down in front of each other or in front of a group of people, right? And laugh it off while you sit there feeling uncomfortable. Key num- um, point number one: I'm feeling uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Okay. Point number two. Is when someone comes to you or a friend or saying, what's going on with that? And the moment you protect him or have an excuse for him, that's exactly what you're doing. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Yeah, that's, I think that's good. I wanted to make sure because th- there's so many scenarios. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's the point where you get to the yeah, but, you yeah. know, you know, somebody says, oh, they're very disrespectful. Yeah, but, you know. If yeah, I know, but like whenever there's a but that comes after someone tries to point out maybe disrespectful or poor behavior, I think that's where you're making an excuse as opposed to receiving that, you know, and taking it from there. Right, right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the question. We appreciate that. Let's go ahead and get this last one. We got four minutes so we can. Yeah. So uh, she says, when can someone say enough is enough when it comes to cheating? First time, 10th time, 11th time, 21st time. <laughs> like, it, it, everyone has their own threshold. Yes. Yes, uh, they do. Can I? Can no, no, no. I want you to go. Okay. Like, every everyone has their own threshold. Everyone has their enough point. Um, and I think it's very important that you don't feel ashamed if the first time wasn't the last time for you, like, it, or if you don't feel like you're less than or that you're silly or that you're stupid for staying beyond the first time. But as we've learned as coaches, as we've learned as friends to people who have been in these types of situations, everyone has to get to their point of saying enough on their own terms. And it doesn't start until you get to the point within you that says, I deserve more, you know, and I think there's 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 a shift that has to happen. There's a shift (laughs) that has to happen within you that basically says I deserve better. I want more. Enough is enough. And nobody knows when that that point is like. And and so whenever you say is enough, that's enough. And you need to be at peace with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll say this. I'll say just going off of the question alone, you someone cheats, Mm -hmm. right? And you welcome them back. All right. The enough point is at the second one. 
Here's the reason why I say that. This is the reason why. Because oh, okay. the, 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 whenever someone says enough is enough, that means that there's too, too many. The first time, that was on me. Okay? Or I'm going to forgive you for that. Okay. I'm like, on you. You're gonna, right, okay. right. It's not my fault, but I'm just gotcha. saying, the first time I'm forgiving you for that, let's move on because we could be better. Mm-hmm. The second time, oh, now you're looking at a cycle or now you're looking at a pattern. And the, as soon as you allow that to go on, you're creating a precedence that this is okay as long as he or she commits these particular acts yeah. in order to appease you. Yeah. And then what's going to happen is that you love them, then comes a third time. Then after that third time, now you got another uh, appeasal process, and now here you go, feeling hurt again. What you want to do is you want to nip it in the bud because it is creating, it's a behavioral loop and they're going to continue to do it unless you create a boundary that says next time I see anything like this, right? Mm -hmm. Next time I see this, I'm out. That has to be the boundary. Should have been the first one, but I, I, I understand how forgiveness goes. And so, but when, when number two hits and that boundary isn't created, now you're get, you now you're participating in their rhythm, so you want to be careful. I say after number two, if you if you kept them after if you kept them if you kept them after the first one, and after the second one you you've considered them, let that be it. Yeah, let that be it. I mean, again, Takar made an excellent point about thresholds. It's very interesting how how great a woman's threshold is but that's because most women who get cheated on really love a lot and they have a lot on their mind regarding how the relationship goes men and women are totally dynamically different you see what i'm saying mm -hmm. and so she's really trying she's really willing to maintain and to stay you know stable not be running from one relationship to another and, and you know i've put my Time in my and I invested myself into this thing. Uh, maybe some children there, right? Um, right. It doesn't mean she's not hurt. It doesn't mean she's not hurt at all. And what she tends to do is try to figure out what about me made him do that, right? Exactly, okay? exactly. And so you got to, you just got to be careful. What women's threshold is 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 a lot higher than men when it comes to cheating. I guarantee you that. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Martins podcast, recorded live on social media and distributed to iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. Now, we can't grow without you, so help spread the love. Wherever you found us, rate, like, share, and leave a review. We are grateful to you and appreciate you in advance. Do you have a question for us? Then visit askthemartins.com ask us your question or ask for a friend once again thank you for tuning in to ask the martins podcast we hope you enjoyed the program